This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. So why do seagulls live near the sea? Because if they live near the bay, they'd be bagels. Welcome to Wings and Things, where you'll find real answers to real questions about everything you want to know about pet birds. Care, feeding, bird products, travel, and more. Everything to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. From parrots to parakeets, cockatiels to cockatoos, you'll have a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about your fun, feathered friends. So, spread your wings and get ready to fly on Wings and Things. Welcome to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio. We're your hosts, Robin Chiwokas from the Leather Elves and Barbara Heidenreich from Good Bird Inc. This week's topic is a visit to your avian veterinarian, choosing a vet, what questions to ask, and training to reduce stress. We'll be right back after these messages. Sitting on a branch overlooking the parking lot, the pigeons watched as a Mercedes pulled in below them. What do you think, one bird said to the other. Should we put a deposit on that car? Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. What if you could protect the life of your cat with something so simple and affordable that you already use every day? Get ready for the evolution of kitty litter. It's Pretty Litter. Along with all the features you've come to expect from your kitty litter, Pretty Litter's patented and scientific formula will also monitor your cat's health and detect illnesses early while providing industry-leading odor control. Two kitty litters, same cat, same price. But there's one important difference. Pretty Litter reacts to your cat's waste by detecting health issues simply by changing color. And the key is that Pretty Litter detects these issues before your cat shows symptoms of physical illness or pain, likely saving you major dollars in vet bills while protecting the health of your cat. What do you think, little guy? Ready to switch litter? Pretty Litter. Colorful insight into your cat's health. Go to prettylittercats.com forward slash cat 101 or use coupon code cat 101 to get 20% off your first subscription order. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things on Pet Life Radio with your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich and Robin Chiwokas. So avian veterinary medicine is vastly different from the veterinary medicine we see with mammals, things like dogs and cats. Even though there's lots of good avian vets out there that also see dogs and cats, um, we really highly recommend you seek out a veterinarian that has lots of experience with birds. I recently was lucky enough to see Dr. Susan Orris present on uh, avian anatomy and physiology and how it relates to flight. And I'll tell you, I was just amazed at the things that I learned. They're just so different. And one of the things to think about is that a lot of veterinarians do practice on both mammals and birds. And they're good at both. But it depends how important it is to you that the individual is just an avian vet. And our suggestion would be to do your homework. There's a lot of research you can do. There's a lot of information out there. And another thing that we want to talk about is really being a participant in your bird's care, not just a consumer. You're not going just purchasing this service. You're part of the service. Yeah, I I look at it as it's more of a partnership. Um, A lot of times when we 
we speak to doctors and veterinarians, we have a tendency to just say, okay, you know, whatever you say goes. But in part, you have to keep in mind that this is your, your animal and you're seeking advice. And it's okay to have a conversation with your veterinarian. If there's questions you want to ask or things you're not sure about, be a part of it, not just somebody who's paying the bill and not really um, having a conversation with your vet about your needs. And feel free to ask those questions. If there's something that you're uncomfortable with that you've been told, that maybe you've heard a different you know, take on that subject, feel free to ask and say, is there a reason that you feel this way versus what I've heard before? Most vets will be open to, to your asking those questions and appreciate the fact that you're asking those questions. Sure. Now, another thing to keep in mind is when you visit your avian veterinarian, sometimes it can be a little pricey. Um, those little birds may not cost much when you purchase it from the breeder, but that vet care may be expensive. But in the long run, it's really worth it, you know, especially with your companion parrot. I couldn't imagine, you know, I've had my Amazon parrot for 21 years now, and I wouldn't spare any expense to get him treated if there was something wrong with him. Oh, absolutely not. And I think, too, Along with that cost factor, you're building a relationship with that veterinarian as well. You know, you consider the cost, but at the same time, you're building that that trust factor where you know somebody that you can go to if something major happens with your bird, you know that that's the person that you have confidence in, that you can trust. And, and I will say that, you know, even my own vet has been really wonderful about, you know, cutting me a break sometimes when things are a little pricey, but because I can be a good customer and, and I really trust his work, he's given me a few breaks here and there. And I really appreciate that. I think it has to do with loyalty. I, I really do. Yeah. You know, um, and be comfortable with the tech staff as well at your veterinarian. The vet isn't the only one that's seeing your animal. Um, the tech staff has a lot to do with it, how they handle your bird, how they handle you. I mean, there has to be that comfortable dialogue or you're going to butt heads at some point. Yeah. I'm very happy with my vets right here, but you may not know any of the veterinary in your area. So how do you, uh, how do you find one? It's really important um, that you think about what the factors are that matter to you when you're looking for that vet. You know, is it, I think one of the things that's really important is a level of experience with parrots. Um, that's a good point. Let's talk about that for a minute because one of the questions a lot of people ask is, does your veterinarian have to be avian board certified? And I learned from my vet that that just means that that particular veterinarian has spent the time and effort to basically go through some more classes to learn about how to treat birds, which is absolutely fantastic. But there are a lot of good vets out there that don't necessarily have that certification, but they have great experience with birds birds and many bird species. And to me, that's probably just as important as the book learning. A lot of that hands-on experiences, there's no replacement for that. Oh, that's absolutely true. And I can tell you on the flip side of that discussion, that in looking for a vet for my son's parrot, I didn't know anybody in the area, didn't really do my homework. And I looked it up in the phone book and I found an avian specialist. Well, okay, it's an avian specialist. We'll go with that. I was in one of those panic situations. So I went. The bird was in the crate. I should probably tell you all that the bird is a black-headed caique. And got to the vet, put it up on the, the examination table, and the veterinarian looked in and said, Oh, is it a sun conure? Oops. Ooh, that might have been a tip. But I said, Well, maybe she didn't get a good look. And... It, to make a very long story short, it wasn't the most positive experience for our bird. And that level of experience definitely came into play. Um, she was an avian specialist, but how long had she been practicing avian medicine, things like that? I should have taken the time to look into them. Yeah. So where, where do you think people might be able to find some information about 
a vet? Well, you know, you can network with other parrot owners. If you're involved in a parrot club, talk to other people. If they're in your area, they may know of a vet that's close to you. AAV.org, the um, Association of Avian Veterinarians, is a good place to look. They have listings. I believe they're by state. I think you can look up by city, by state, by name, um, by zip code, things like that. So they have a really nice, right when you get to the home page, you click on find a local vet and it'll, it'll direct you towards people that specialize in avian uh, medicine. They don't necessarily have to be board certified, but they do treat birds. So that's why they're on that list. Okay. There are also teaching hospitals with veterinarians who specialize in exotics. That's another good option for you or a resource. If there's one in your area, look into it and see if they have a department that caters to those kind of animals. Yeah, some of the big ones are like uh, Texas A&M University and Raleigh-Durham, University of Tennessee, Purdue, where else? Um, uh, UC Davis out in California. All those have veterinary teaching hospitals, and so um, a lot of those folks there have are, are being supervised by people who have excellent experience working with parrots. That's really important, and I think, too, when you're going in, okay, you've decided, you found a vet that you want to try out, and one thing to remember is this may not be the vet for the long haul. This may be, as in my experience, you go and you decide it's not the person that you want to see on a regular basis or even in an emergency situation. So you may have to go through several before you find the right fit. I think that happens with people, too. Yeah, well, and I have to, in my experience, the vets that I've really enjoyed the most, they're usually really good about being open to second opinions, and, and they'll talk to their colleagues and, and get suggestions if they're stumped. So um, so I, I really appreciate a vet that's a good, good open-minded person who, who is really just trying to solve the problem, not just keep your business. So So they're out there. You just have to... Keep your eyes open and your ears open. Definitely. So, Barbara, if you were going, it was your first visit, what kind of questions would you ask? Hmm. Well, for me, I would certainly like to know a little bit about their experience working with parrots if they've they've had uh, some good experience with them. And one thing that's important to me as an animal trainer is that I really do like, as I said, sort of a partnership or a cooperation with your vet. And that often means that they'll be open and receptive to the fact that I'm doing some training with my parrot to get him ready to go to the vet. And so hopefully, if I say, you know what, I've trained him to get on a scale, rather than maybe placing him in a container to put on a scale, they'll let me um, cue him to hop on the scale. Or if he knows how to be restrained in a towel comfortably, maybe they'll let me initiate that behavior and then I'll you know, let the vet technician take over as far as the actual restraint since they're very um, skilled and trained in that. And the veterinarians usually are, I want to be sure the bird is being held in the way they need for the veterinary procedure. But at least getting the bird wrapped in the towel is something that I can train the bird for. So I definitely look for a vet that's willing to cooperate with me on that kind of stuff. I think that talks to the being a participant rather than a consumer in your bird's care as well. You know, you know what you're capable of, you know what your bird's capable of, you can inform the vet and the vet tech of that, but if you can help out and make it less stressful, then yeah. I think that's the key to a successful Well, I think visit. that less stress thing is huge, and a lot of good vets out there are really open to that. They want your bird to be um, as comfortable as possible through the procedure as well, and so if you can have that relationship, you can achieve that goal too. It might even be worth it to, um, prior to your going in, if it's not an emergency situation, talk about what you can expect. You know, what are they going to do? What procedures, are the, if any, are they going to do? Are they looking to do a blood draw? Are they, you know, what kind of exam can you expect? And then maybe do some work with your bird at home and also inform the veterinarian and the staff there of what you're working on so that they're aware that you're not just coming in there and saying, oh, I can handle it. I can do it. 
and, and inform them that you're very invested in positive reinforcement. Hmm, definitely. You know, another point that people need to re- keep in mind is that sometimes they have emergencies with their pet bird. Mm-hmm. And um, a challenge is finding an emergency veterinarian that actually does treat birds. A lot of times they'll do um, that triage care, that immediate emergency care. But again, that bird care is so different from mm-hmm. what they're accustomed to that a lot of emergency centers won't even accept birds. So you might want to have that conversation with your avian vet that what he might recommend you do in the case of emergency. Maybe that his clinic or her clinic has something in place already to help you deal or help address emergencies in birds, or at least they can refer you to an emergency vet that they're really comfortable with. And I would have that information right on the refrigerator, real handy. It's something that you hopefully will never need, but there there may come that time when you do. Um, Another thing that you might want to talk to them about is dietary questions. You know, what kind of diet are you feeding them now? If this is a new bird for you, would they make any kind of suggestions for that of package, you know, prepackaged diets? And and at the same time, talk to them about what kind of fresh fruit and vegetables you can feed and toxic plants. This is something that comes up all the time, especially with enrichment. Um, people are really excited about offering browse and things like that um, to their animals. But you have to be really careful as to what's toxic and what's not. There are I have to say thousands of lists out there on the internet and they, some of them say this is toxic. Some say that's toxic. And when you're looking at that whole toxic issue, if you have a question better safe than sorry, you know, put it aside. Is it really imperative that your bird get that stick of, you know, with the leaves on it? If you don't know exactly what it is or where it came from, talk to your vet and ask that question, you know, and, and there are really no stupid questions when you're talking you know, about your bird's safety and your bird's health. And I think safety comes up too. You know, your veterinarian or even the vet techs are a good resource for safety concerns. You know, things that come up all the time are Teflon, zinc toxicity, using stainless steel, you know, versus a nickel plate on, on chain and, and quick links, paper towel rolls. That's one that comes up for me all the time. I've spoken at some clubs where I've been asked not to mention it at all. I've spoken at clubs where people use them very frequently. And you know, how do you answer that question? So have you had a chance to ask any veterinarians their opinion about, I, about uh, paper towel rolls? I have. I've spoken to several avian veterinarians um, that I've met through um, conferences and through networking. And I've gotten the answer that I've gotten across the board has been as long as you're not giving them, you know, every single day, five, six paper towel rolls at the same time. It's that everything in, in um, moderation, you know, that you're not offering the, the amount of glue that they're ingesting or the amount of um, coating on the tube itself is not toxic in small quantities. I had one avian veterinarian who specializes in avian um, species and exotics, and he said to me that he's never treated um, a bird for uh, any kind of disorder due to paper towel rolls. Um, so, you know, it comes up, and I, I'm sure there are people out there who will absolutely disagree with that point of view, and that's fine. It's your decision with your bird. You, I never tell anyone that they absolutely should or absolutely shouldn't do anything, but if you've got a concern about something like that, go to the vet. I mean, that's the person who can answer it for you, and if you're confident with their opinion, then that's what you go with. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea to ask your vet, because I think of... Um I mean, I think it's pretty much accepted that the the coatings on nonstick cookware and and those self-cleaning ovens, those we've all are pretty much in agreement. You need to be careful Mm -hmm. about that stuff. But some things I see people, it goes back and forth, like, uh, you know, some of those air fresheners or 
or products that burn, you know, like potpourris and things like that, that some, some people feel, oh, it's okay and some are not. And, or if it's a non lead wick versus a, a cotton wick in a candle, things of that nature. So it definitely can fluctuate and it's a little difficult. It can be overwhelming. I'll tell you, you know, I have a 12-year-old son, and he got a list when he got his bird, and it had all the do's and the don'ts and the toxic plants and the toxic things, you know, the whole Teflon information and zinc toxicity, and it was pages and pages of information. And he read it, and then at this point, anything that was on that list is absolutely out of the question. Hmm. Um, You know, and he sticks to those guidelines. And people can be very literal when they're handed a sheet of paper. If it says on there that, that something's toxic, it's never going near their bird. And so weigh the information, you know, consider the source, maybe take five different lists. And if something ends up on five lists, well, it's probably a good thing. You know, it's a, it's a good chance that that is a bad thing to give your parrot. But, you know, look at the resources, consider where they're coming from. And my final suggestion is going to that vet and asking that question. And as far as, you know, enrichment's concerned, there are, again, some do's and don'ts that vets feel very strongly about. And you may want to go to them and say, I'm thinking about giving my bird X, Y, and Z. You know, what would you suggest? Um, some you know, there are strong feelings about cotton rope. There are strong feelings about different types of rope and safety. And, you know, ask that question. Mm, Yeah, absolutely. Well, we need to take a little break right now. But when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about body language that lets you know it's definitely time to go visit the veterinarian. And also um, well bird exams and ways that you can train your parrot so that he's comfortable with the visit to the veterinarian. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay perched. Wings and Things will be soaring back right after these messages. Put on a perfectly possum pet party. Having an awesome birthday or adoption day celebration for your four-legged friend? Or just want a fun excuse to throw a fun party with your friends from the dog park? Deck out your party with Molly and Bandit Pet Party Accessories, party products designed specifically for pets. There are wearables, including adjustable pet party hats, bow ties, and tutus. The photoprop kits include funny glasses and hats. The party supplies and decorations include coordinating table covers, party banners, cake decorations, and treat bowls, cups, and bags. Everything you need to create great memories and Instagram-worthy photos. They're available in two colorful themes, Tropical and Fireman. It's a dog's life. Celebrate it with Molly and Bandit Pet Party at mollyandbanditpetparty.com slash petlife. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. A Frenchman walks into a bar with a parrot on his shoulder. The bartender asks, where did you get that thing? The parrot replies, in France. There are millions of them. Don't have a canary. Wings and Things is back. Welcome back to Wings and Things with your hosts, Barbara Heidenreich and Robin Schuokis. Well, we're going to jump right into body language here. Hopefully, you're taking your parrot to the veterinarian when your bird is well so that you can get a nice well bird exam. Basically, that's a checkup when your bird is feeling good and your veterinarian can get some baseline levels, um, healthy blood levels. Boy, I'm not so good on the veterinary terminology, am I? Um, but, uh, but sometimes your bird is going to be sick, and it's a good idea to know what to look for 
when you need to take your bird to the vet because he isn't feeling well. So some things you might want to keep an eye out for are maybe discharges from the nares or from the eyes um, or the cloaca. If you see your bird kind of drooping his wings instead of holding them up in the normal position up against his side, any kind of labored breathing or panting. If their eyes are squinty quite a bit, um, if your bird's on the bottom of the cage, your your bird's really in trouble. If he's in the bottom of the cage with all those positions that we talked about, panting and squinty eyes, labored breathing, your bird's in a lot of trouble. And unfortunately, um, parrots have a tendency to mask their body language when they're not feeling well. And this may have to do with something about their natural history that showing signs of illness may make you a target for a predator. So that could be related to that. But in any case, a lot of times they don't show you the signs that they're not feeling well until they're pretty darn sick. So for me, one of the big things that I really keep an eye out for is a change in behavior. So if my bird normally is pretty active a certain time of day or usually chowing on his diet, that's something I'll make note of. And if down the road I start seeing some changes in that, maybe my bird's sleeping when normally he should be pretty active, or maybe he's not eating quite so much as he usually does, um, that lets me know that something might be wrong. And I have to admit, this happened with my own parrot, um, Tara, my Amazon parrot. We, uh, I noticed that he had slowed down a little bit. He wasn't as active, and he definitely wasn't eating as much. And then I, I started to see a change in behavior that really had me concerned. He was actually kind of straining to, to defecate. And unfortunately, as many situations happen, it happened on a weekend. <laughs> and um, I unfortunately could not get a hold of anybody that could answer my questions. And, and even as somebody in the industry, I was making calls to every, anyone and everyone I, I knew. And um, I finally got some suggestions from people, but I did have an appointment finally on a day when the veterinarian was going to be there. But what was happening is my bird kept straining more often and a big change in behavior that happened that really never happens with my bird is he's been trained to not poop on me. Mm. He will hold it until I put him back on his cage. And sometimes he'll hold it a real long time. One of those days when he was not looking just right, he actually pooped on me, and I was like, whoa, what's happened here? He hasn't done that in years. And that was a big indicator to me that something was wrong. And it turned out in the long run that my Amazon, who I've called a he for years, is actually a she. Uh -oh. She had a mummified egg that she was trying to pass. And over the weekend, she ended up passing portions of it. And after she would pass those portions, she started to relax and feel a little bit better. So by the time we did make it to the avian vet, she was looking much better. Um, they did do a radiograph to see what was going on, and that's when we were able to conclude that, that it was mummified egg. We could, uh, the veterinarian pointed out where calcium was being drawn from the bones to help uh, make the egg there. So, and, and I think this speaks to the fact that you need to be observant. You know, it, everything that they do has some, there's an importance to it. There's a reason for it. Everything our birds, and being aware of what your bird does on a regular basis and not, again, just kind of having that bird and keeping that bird you need to participate with that bird. You need to be interactive and know what's different for this bird. Why is there something that's giving you that clue that something's not right? I mean, you know Tara very well. You've you've had her for years, but you know maybe it's a new bird to you, and and you but you still need to be aware of what's going on with that bird and what is unusual. Well, and I have to add that Tara's fine now. If anyone was worrying about my bird, but my bird's doing just fine and. <laughs> So um, back to uh, some other things you can do with your bird. I think we have a, good, a, a little bit of an idea on body language. And I should mention that 
I do have a DVD about training your parrot for the veterinary exam, and we have a great interview with Dr. Scott Eccles, who is a board-certified avian veterinarian, and he talks quite a bit about body language that you can look for, and we have some photos that give you a better idea of what that body language looks like. So some other things that are important to me as an animal trainer is I, I really hope that my veterinarian will be cooperative with me with the training with my bird, and fortunately, I, I work with some in fact, Scott Eccles is my vet, and he does some uh, great stuff for me and, and with my bird. And his staff has been really helpful, too. Tara, although is is a great bird at home, isn't trained for everything for the veterinary exam. But um, I do recommend doing as much as you can with your bird. And some of the behaviors that I think are really helpful is teaching your parrot to step up onto strangers. Because that might be something that your bird will have to do at the clinic, mm-hmm. is step onto somebody he's never met before. So train that behavior with positive reinforcement. Um, I also really like to teach a bird to get on a scale, and Tara will do that very, very readily. And um, it's great to get a weight on your bird because a weight drop can be an indicator that something's wrong. And in fact, Tara's weight did drop quite a bit when she <laughs> had that problem because she wasn't eating because she was feeling uncomfortable. The other behavior that I think is a really helpful one is to train your bird to be comfortable being restrained in a towel. And um, as mentioned earlier in the program, I really think that it's not required that the parrot owner or caregiver actually do the restraining. Really, your main job is to get the bird comfortable being in the towel. And then the veterinary technician who's trained in how to properly restrain a bird can do that portion. There are some technical things that go with that. You know, birds don't really have a diaphragm, and it's very important to not put pressure on their chest. Otherwise, they really can't breathe. So it's great to do the training to get them comfortable going in and out of that towel, but let the professional do the restraint for you. And I think, too, getting them just desensitized to the towel in general. For my bird, that first uh, veterinary visit was, it was a horror show, quite honestly, because Nikki had never seen a towel before in any capacity, whether it be hanging on the wall, you know, on a towel rack, at all. And here was this situation where suddenly he was enveloped in this towel with no idea why. You know, there wasn't any precursor to here's the towel look it's okay it's it was just all right now you're wrapped in a towel so if you can even do just a little desensitization with your bird at home prior to the first visit to the vets you have that chance yeah and and especially those folks that have young birds um boy you've got a great opportunity there you can teach them from the get-go that the towel is is a fun place to be um it's it's always a little tougher with a bird that's already had some experiences with towels that aren't so pleasant but you can get past that you absolutely Mm -hmm. can it just takes a little more work Another behavior that's really helpful for your bird is to teach him to go into some sort of travel container, whether it's a, a kennel or a crate or a small a smaller cage. Um, we want we want it to be uh, again not a stressful thing. A lot of times people have a tendency to sort of ah I got you and they trap the bird in the kennel and then the next time they ask the bird to go in he's terrified and uh, that can be avoided just by going through those baby steps to train in mm-hmm. the behavior. You can even make the kennel a, a fun place to be. You know, not someplace that they want to stay in all the time. But if you put things in there that are, are comfortable for them, if it's something that's not going to interfere with, with the exam itself, if, not necessarily food, if it needs, you know, if that's part of the, the problem. But, you know, putting something familiar in there can make it a comfortable place for them to be as well. Yeah, and I've, I've definitely used um, enrichment items, you mm-hmm. know, toys and things like that to reinforce birds for going into kennels. And oh, absolutely. gives them something to do while they're in there. So it's a great positive reinforcer for them. Um, I also like to teach people how to train their parrots to allow for a nail trim. 
Um, a lot of times people are going to their veterinarian for nail trims and wing trims and, and, um, and that might be a great way to keep your relationship going with that vet, but it's also a behavior you can train at home and it doesn't have to be a stressful process and Mm -hmm. it can be, um, a lot of fun for you and your bird. Um, I know I'm just kind of rattling off a list of behaviors and we don't have enough time to go into detail how to train every single one of them, but I do have a, a DVD on my website that can, uh, show you how to train those behaviors step by step. So another topic um, we wanted to touch on is behavior problems, because a lot of times people are seeking help for behavior problems, and the their go-to person is their veterinarian, because that's the only resource they may have out there. Right. It, you know, and there's, there is all that information on, on the web and on your website, um, and sometimes you need to ask those questions, and it needs to be something that if your vet isn't comfortable helping you with, that they can maybe recommend a, a resource for you. Right. You know, well, veterinarians are excellent at what they do. And and veterinary medicine is certainly not something that I claim as my right. area of expertise. And I am happy to refer people to a good veterinarian. And sometimes um, there are some vets out there that do address behavior problems. But for some of them, it's just not their area of expertise. So hopefully they will be referring you to people that can help you out with those problems if they're not able to do so. And I think, you know, you can pretty much get a feel for that as well. You know, mm-hmm. if it's not something that they're comfortable with, you can probably read that from your... If you're reading your bird's body language, you need to read your veterinarian's <laughs> body language as well. Oh, goodness. Well, uh, that's a little overview of uh, some of our thoughts about getting uh, familiar with a veterinarian and helping your bird be successful at the at the veterinary office. We did want to mention we've got some upcoming events where um, you might have a chance to see Robin or myself speak, and there's other events on here as well that we think are worth seeing, so we'll, we'll just tell you about a few here. Um, coming up in San Antonio, I'll be speaking at the Alamo Exhibition Bird Club on June 22nd. Also on June 22nd in Freehold, New Jersey, um, the Arcadia Bird Sanctuary and Education Center is holding their open house. You can visit their website for further details. They're at AcadiaBirdSanctuary.org. On June 28th, I'll be speaking at the Southwest Virginia Bird Club, um, their 14th annual fair in Roanoke, Virginia. I'll be speaking on enriching your parrots' lives and also foraging for the future. In July, on July 4th through 6th in 2008, I will be in Brisbane, Australia at the Parrot Society of Australia Conference. Uh, Susan Friedman's also there, Donald Brightsmith, a number of speakers uh, from around the world. So that's a great one if you can get that one on your calendar. And then later in July, on the 26th, I'll be in Cincinnati teaching a parrot behavior and training workshop. This is a day-long seminar on uh, how to get started with positive reinforcement training with your parrot. And then following that in August, I will be in Austin. I'll be home. Yay. And I'm going to do a short seminar on solving parrot behavior problems at Gallery of Pets. And also in August, uh, August 11th through the 14th, Barbara and I will both be at the Association of Avian Veterinarians Annual Conference. That's going to be in Savannah, Georgia. Barb's doing a wet lab and a master class, and she'll also be available at her vendor booth. I'm speaking on Sunday as part of an avian behavior and enrichment program. You can get more information about that conference at aav.org. And for the veterinary professional, we've got something really special. The Gabriel Foundation has put together a really fantastic three-day intensive workshop. It's catered towards veterinary professionals, so um, veterinarians and, and their staff. That'll be October 3rd through 5th um, at, at the Gabriel Foundation near Denver, Colorado. Really intensive hands-on stuff. We did it last year, and um, I thought it was a really great learning experience. So hopefully we'll... We'll have some more uh, veterinary professionals. If you think your veterinary professional would like that experience, be sure to direct them to the GabrielFoundation.org. And another exciting event that we're just announcing, November 8th through 9th, 
we are going to have a parrot training and enrichment weekend in Austin, Texas. So um, Robin will be there and I will be there. It's a two-day seminar, more like a day and a half, so you still get some of your weekend. And uh, very hands-on, very intensive. we got a lot of really uh, different fun stuff planned for that. So we, we would love to have people come out for that event. Uh, again, that's November 8th and 9th in Austin, Texas. Yeah, that one should be very exciting. Um, and this is also the first time we're announcing this Um in May of 2009, I know it's way off, but mark your calendars, the 29th through the 31st in Edison, New Jersey, Barbara and I are presenting the BEST Parrot Conference, and BEST stands for Behavior, Enrichment, Science, and Training. It's going to be two days of workshops and general sessions and, and the chance to get up close um, and work on some some training with your birds, some enrichment um creating enrichment for your birds. And it'll be Barbara speaking, myself, Dr. Susan Friedman, um, and we're bringing in some other speakers as well. Yes, and some surprise things surprise that we're going to hang on to before we make those announcements. And this is going to be a really hands-on opportunity, so something very different from what you might typically expect from a conference. We're not going to let you just sit and listen to lectures. No. So there's work involved in this one. But good work, fun work. And they'll uh, that information will actually be on um, a website. We're we're working on that. It's going to be um, bestparrotconference.com. Great. Well, we have some more websites for you. We've mentioned a few already. Uh, aav.org, and of course, uh, you're welcome to come to our websites, goodbirdinc.com and theleatherelves.com, and always check in with the blog, goodbirdincblogspot.com. There you go. We've also got some um, resources that are from some of our um, veterinary professionals. We've got. The Captive Foraging DVD, which is the next best thing to being free by Dr. Scott Eccles, and Happily Ever After with Parrots, a learning game by Dr. Ellen Cook. Um, both of those are, are worth taking a look at. Absolutely. Um, Ellen Cook just recently was at a, a seminar I taught on, on flight training, and she's got a lot of good information about positive reinforcement training, and she's a veterinarian who really applies those those uh, principles in her practice with the clients that come to visit her. So it's, nice it's really nice to see that developing. And we promised you an enrichment and training tip of the week. The enrichment tip of the week, I'd like you to just always consider how your particular bird will interact with what whatever you're offering for enrichment. Please, please don't base your safety concerns solely on what the manufacturer suggests. I used to do that all the time, say, oh, this is great for this bird or that bird. You know your bird and know what will work for them and what will be safe. So keep that in mind. And the training tip of the week has to do with our veterinary theme here. A great way to get oral medication into your bird is to pair it with some tasty treats or in a yummy suspension. A lot of veterinarians work with formularies that will actually put the medication in something that might be like cherry flavored or something of that nature. And it makes it a little tastier for your bird. But if you can't do that, you can actually train your parrot to accept bad tasting medication with positive reinforcement training. Ooh. A lot of people uh, don't don't know that you can do that. Um, in brief, it's about teaching your parrot to open his mouth on cue, inserting the medication. Hopefully, it's an or, uh, a liquid suspension, so it's easy to get in there. And then you follow it up with a positive reinforcer. There's a whole article on it on my website at goodbirdinc.com under the digital media section, and uh, you can get lots of great tips, including uh, more detail about how to train that behavior there. Great. Sounds good. So we're just about out of time. Okay. We, we discussed some of these upcoming topics um, at the last show, but... We're still thinking about doing things on flight training, the pros and cons, how to enrich the sedentary parrot, 
um, working with weaned versus unweaned parrots, exploring different forms of enrichment, um, reinforcers. There's so many out there. You've just got to be creative um, and screaming for attention. So those will be upcoming in the next few weeks. And if you have suggestions or questions or thoughts about um, other topics for shows, you can contact us at robin at petliferadio.com or barbara at petliferadio.com. And if you'd like a transcript of the show, please visit www.petliferadio.com. Well, I think that's it. All right. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things, only on PetLifeRadio.com.